Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Okay. Rebecca wants to know, I'm so nervous to ask you this, how does it affect our sex life? Let me just say this episode is a very vulnerable one and I'm really grateful that my partner Andrew was willing to have this conversation and I think it was one that was vulnerable for both of us but I think that it's going to bring a lot of insight and hopefully value to all of you listeners out there. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Today we have a very super extra special guest. His name is Andrew, and he's my boyfriend. Spouse. He's my spouse. Technically, we are common law married, and we live together in Colorado with our dog, Bella, who's also in the room with us. And Andrew has very graciously agreed to be here to chat about what relationships are like, not necessarily from the Spoonie perspective or the person with chronic illness, but instead the, the partner's perspective. So let's dive in. Hi, babe. Hi. <laughs> Let's start with a little bit of history for everybody. People are asking how long we've been together and how we met. How long have we been together? Um, that's complicated. Uh, we have been friends since what? The beginning of grad school. Beginning of grad school, which was four like or five tw- years ago. 2013. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then we have been seeing each other romantically <laughs> since 2014. 14, yeah. 2014. 2014. Three or four years. Three or four years-ish. Yeah. It's complicated, guys. So how do we meet, babe? Uh, well, I remember meeting you in grad school, but I think you clocked me before I clocked you. I saw you walk by. Yeah. <laughs> On my way into my very first DePaul School of Public Service class. class. Yeah, I saw you and I told my friends at the table that I was sitting with that you were super cute and that I didn't, we didn't actually meet until later on though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we just met organically through friends, yeah. mutual friends. It was a pretty small program, so we had a lot of classes together. Yeah. All right. When we met, when we started dating actually, did you know that I had chronic illness? No. <laughs> no. So how did that come about? How did that come up for us? I didn't know for a long, long time. <laughs> I mean, you dated another guy that I was cool with also. We were just all friendly and we would hang out and it seemed quote unquote normal, whatever normal is. And I was none the wiser. That was also right around the time where just in general, celiac and everything, gluten-free this gluten-free that sort of became more common lexicon so I was beginning to become aware of that and I think I sort of learned about it through that and learned about your sensitivities through that. So what went through your mind when you realized that I had celiac and that I had some flares and I have my bad days? I didn't realize it at first just because I didn't really know what it was or what it did. I just knew that you couldn't eat bread. <laughs> I can't eat bread. So did it make you think any differently of me? No. No? No. Was it challenging? Not at first because we weren't dating. <laughs> we didn't live together. No. Yeah. You just knew I drank wine at the restaurants and I didn't eat bread, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's fast forward to now. We live together. We've been living together for almost two years now out in Colorado, and we just bought a house that we're moving into next month. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. So what advice would you give men or women out there regarding living with someone with chronic illness? Does anything specific come up for you? Oh god, many things. Oh, there's Bella. Um, many things. I think the biggest thing is patience. And a willingness to let go of any preconceived notions or any ideas that you hear about through other, you know, mediums, whether it's news or medical professionals or, or you know, people who talk about granola, this granola, that, you know, that what they don't realize is the actual extent of, of you know, chronic illness and especially the ones that in this case, you suffer with. Yeah. Our dog wants to play right now. We have, we're a little distracted. <laughs> she brought her unicorn toy over to try and play. <laughs> so what what's the hardest thing about, about living with me, if you're being really honest with me and the world? 
what's the hardest thing about living with someone who has autoimmune flares and sometimes I don't feel good? Uh, I think just that because I'm pretty lucky in that I have really, really good health. I rarely get sick. I don't have any allergies as I'm sort of sniffly today. Um, but being able to understand what's going on and also letting go of the preconceived notions of what illness is and how to treat illness because we're so used to getting that magic pill or you know putting the band-aid on instead of really treating the underlying symptoms so that's challenging you know for me it has been the days when you feel like doo-doo and I can't really figure out why or understand why outside of just you explaining it to me it's hard to empathize because I have never felt that and cannot feel that I, I sympathize greatly because I see what you are dealing with and that some days you don't have energy to really stand up <clears throat> or some days you're good 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 and then crash um, so being able to empathize with that is probably the most challenging thing and then we've discussed it whereas sometimes you know, you won't feel well for a friggin' week straight. And I'll just be like, God damn it. And I get antsy and frustrated, but it's not necessarily with you. It's just the whole situation. Yeah, because you don't want me to feel the way that I do. So when, well, it's actually Casey. Casey wants to know, when we're both having really rough days and at our limit with illness, my illness, how do you deal with it when you can't help me but have to see me in that discomfort or pain? Mm -hmm. uh, that is a very good question and one that I honestly still struggle to figure out every time it happens because actually each time seems to be a little different. I mean, the, the length with which it happens, the severity with which it happens, the, you know what part of you doesn't feel well at that specific time. But I think generally speaking, being as sympathetic as I can, I I feel like I'm a pretty patient person and I have to exercise that a lot because again, it's one of those things where it's sort of an invisible illness and sometimes it baffles me and I'm like, you look normal, quote unquote. Obviously, whatever that is, mm -hmm. um, why don't you feel that way? Yeah. And in those times, I just have to be sort of uh, cognizant and aware of my own thoughts and exercise a little self-awareness. But also, I think it's in those times, sometimes it's okay just to separate and let you totally curl up in a ball and allow you to feel like crap and not try to fix you or feel like I need to fix you. Cause again, it's one of those things I, I deep down, I know I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm helper type personality. So sometimes just saying, okay, I see you don't feel well. I'll ask if there's anything I can do for you. And if you say no, then sometimes it's best just to leave you to your own devices and allow you to take care of you as best you can in that moment without me in your way. 
or bothering you. Yeah. I love you for saying that, babe. <laughs> I do. I love you so much. I, I think it is it's just really powerful it, as someone with chronic illness and important to me to, to not feel broken. And it helps so much to know that you don't think I'm broken and you're not trying to fix me. Instead, you are just there to support me and to be patient and do your best to sympathize. Uh, so I think that's, and that's, I think it's in a lot of people's nature, not everyone's, but most people, when they see a loved one who is not feeling well, they want to help. Um, but sometimes they don't realize that by trying to actively help, they are doing exactly the opposite. And it's also, you know, you can look at it as a way for, at least the way I look at it is, I look at it, at it as a way for me to have time to do me, um, which is also super, super, we can get into it later, but super important in this type of situation when you're in a significant relationship with someone who does have chronic illness. Yeah, you have your own interests and hobbies. Yeah, I think someone asked about that later on, so we'll get to it. Uh, Casey also wanted to know a little bit about my side. She said, how do I keep my head up when I'm not feeling well but don't necessarily want to bring you down? And that's hard because when I feel like shit, I do curl up in a ball, like you said. Uh, and I think that we just have this kind of mutual understanding that – just because I'm curled up in a ball doesn't mean that you have to stop life <laughs> or that you aren't allowed to go out with your friends or, or curl up in a ball next to you. Or yeah, just yeah. join in on the, the cuddle curling in a ball party. Um, do do feeling fest. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I do sometimes worry that like my energy, especially being an empath myself, I'm like, Oh, is he going to pick up like my, crap is he gonna be low energy because i'm low energy and he's seeing me low energy um and that that does happen sometimes yeah especially when it's like when you don't feel well for like a week two weeks straight or yeah. like a month straight you know sometimes i do but it takes i think the critical thing that it takes is a mutual understanding and really good communication because you know it's not all rainbows and unicorns and you know pots of gold for us we do struggle at times and we will get short with each other and I think being able to communicate as adults and coming back and apologizing if an apology is necessary or explaining um, why you felt the way you did or the way I did um, and then being able to step back from that and say, okay, what do we do in this situation now? How do we remedy this, and an acute remedy, you know, to get us on a better track? Because I also believe that, like you said, being an empath, you worry about how it's going to impact me. But I also think about how if I had a crap day, well, night at work, mm -hmm. um, how am I bringing something home that's going to affect you? So, yeah. I think we communicate pretty well, not perfectly, but we communicate well and it allows us, especially for me, to be able to describe to you a little bit about how I'm feeling because it is invisible illness and you know me well enough now to know even the smallest kind of 
you'll see me do my weird things with my fingers or <laughs> whatever with my body and know that I'm experiencing anxiety or that I'm low energy. But it's not always super obvious. You've gotten to know those those signs a lot, lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but communicating was huge in the beginning so that I could actually try to help you understand and explain, even though you may never in your lifetime feel that way, you could still sympathize. Yeah. And I, th- I think the communication thing we developed, it, it didn't happen overnight. And I think a common theme that we'll see in this is patience. Yeah. So, you know, when we first started, there wasn't a lot of knowledge on my end, and even on your end, your your the your expertise in this has evolved, evolved, but like gone from you know a, a speed bump to a mountain in the amount of knowledge that you have. Yeah, um, which helps me. So I think the big thing is understanding and patience and communication. Amen. Should we be done? No. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> okay, Aaron wants to know how to get your significant other. Oh, maybe this is a question for me. How to get your significant other to understand your illness and any limitations that may come with it? I think we kind of answered that already. Just communication for me. It was trying to help him understand how I was feeling, even if I didn't look quote sick. Um, and yeah, finding some even like mediums between um what our energy levels right so you might have energy for like a a hike an eight mile hike and I might only have energy for like a two mile hike and so I think there's like a little bit of sacrifice and that you will say okay like you know let's just do the two mile hike today and if I have more energy then we might try for three but otherwise there's more pay more patience (laughs) yeah patience but i also think like from my end um i think you can it's also important for those of you that are the ones in the relationship with chronic illness to understand that your partner will never truly understand your illness unless they suffer from it as well Mm -hmm. they can begin to see and recognize and have a better understanding. But I know and understand <laughs> that I will never truly know what it feels like to be you because, mm-hmm. well, and I, I mean, even from what you've taught me, yeah, everyone's chronic illness manifests in different ways within them individually. So yep. your partner just isn't ever going to totally get it. Mm-hmm. Ashley asks, what your significant other wants the chronically ill to understand from the caregiver's role. So she's asking you what you would want other people who are chronically ill to understand from your role, but you're not, you're not, I wouldn't consider you my caregiver. Some women have caregivers as partners and they are, um, you know, not really by choice, but they are dependent upon their partner or family or friends to help them either financially, uh, with cooking meals, etc. So, uh, the bigger macro things. Yeah, we don't really have that situation. I think that we, we especially just within everyday 
responsibilities try to both show up pretty equally and there's always going to be a little imbalance there um so I don't know do you have anything to to answer her even though you're not necessarily like my, my caregiver yeah I mean if you are in that situation where you're flare-ups or just your day-to-day are that severe where you know you know uh, what's the netflix documentary watch where the uh what's her name she like can't get out of bed uh unrest is that what it's called unrest, unrest. maybe i don't know if it's netflix or not either way <laughs> um you know but that was definitely a caregiver situation and i think from a being in that role, because I am in that role occasionally, um, because I do try and take care of you when you are feeling down in the dumps to a point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> man, I think, I think more than anything, it takes a lot of understanding from your end mm-hmm. and patience on your end, even when you feel like total garbage. Um, and also understanding on your end that it, it that type of role, that caregiver role where that's a lot of responsibility and it is a lot of, um, I don't want to say burden, but it's a lot to to move around. It's a lot to carry. It's a lot a, of responsibility. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavier pack to carry than what it just is normally day-to-day when you feel better, mm-hmm. you know? And so understanding that in... And the times when we are in those situations and I get a little frustrated, I know it upsets you, but I think we are able to communicate about why I'm frustrated mm-hmm. and just knowing that it's not anything directed at you. It's it's not me being frustrated with you. It's me just sort of being overall like, damn it, this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the entire, tire, the entirety of the situation. All right, so Alexander, we got a man in here. (laughs) Sorry, we're getting text messages. (laughs) Alexander wants to know, uh, do you ever get frustrated by my ability to sometimes not do certain physical activities? Fuck yeah. (laughs) Okay. I need to know. Now, so Sarah and I are also super, super um, different in that regard because her sort of recharge her batteries is to find a snuggly spot you know get comfy with a tasty snack or beverage or whatever it may be and just chill which makes sense because she struggles with fatigue and yeah that's my favorite yeah (laughs) whereas me my recharging is going on a six mile hike way out in the middle of the wilderness where i can't see or hear civilization you know or it's going climbing or it's going um you know for just even a walk outside sometimes um go lift at the gym yeah my recharging is very active and sarah's is oftentimes very calm and mellow Mm -hmm. and so that is also where I think the importance of having that mutual understanding of saying, okay, well, you know, and the security, this is, you know, Sarah and I are lucky because we're confident in who we are individually and we're confident in our relationships. So I'm totally cool and comfortable knowing that I can leave her alone for 
a day, six hours, you know, two hours, whatever, when she feels like total shit and the world's not going to end. I'm not going to like freak the fuck out on you yeah. for leaving. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to, you know, stab me when I walk in the door. <laughs> um, and so I can then go recharge my batteries how I need to recharge my batteries and she can recharge hers how she needs to okay so this is still alexander's question mm -hmm. whenever sarah is going through a rough day what is going through your mind can you relate to her do you just give her space do you help her out with things so you were kind of already hinting to this yeah, i think we touched on that a little bit but just like a rehash rundown i think go what's going through my mind um i relate to her in that i have gotten to the point where I'm able to sympathize because I have a better understanding of what's going on. Again, I don't truly understand because I'm not in her body. So empathy is a challenge. But when the first thing that goes through my mind when Sarah says, I feel like garbage today is how can I help? And I will just be point blank with it. I don't, I don't, obfuscate and deal with indirectness well um just me as a person so i'll just say what can i do to help you how can i help you is there anything you need right now is there anything i can go get you bring you make you cook you um rub you um whatever it may be and usually she's good at saying that and sometimes she'll just be like no and i'll be like okay and i just have to accept that i can't keep pushing because then it becomes like almost nagging in many ways yeah and like almost projects my high energy of fix 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 what can i do to help you know mm -hmm. like a nervous chihuahua <laughs> at you when what you actually need is calm quiet mellow yeah um so relating to her comes through understanding and sympathy relating to her unless you struggle with it struggle with chronic illness yourself relating to to her th or your partner or whoever it may be through empathy is going to be always be more challenging um so yeah i think one of the first things and most effective things is just giving her space and then helping with however i can i, I typically don't just start doing things unless we have discussed them. Yeah, you usually ask me what you can do, and sometimes there's something you can do. Like, I'll be like, please rub my shoulders. And other times I'll be like, no, there's not anything you can do right now. Leave me alone. Like, I just need space. Mm -hmm. Okay, Rebecca wants to know, I'm so nervous to ask you this, how does it affect our sex life? <laughs> Man, it's like porno up in here. Um... I think we it, also have opposite schedules, you guys. So Andrew works nights, nights and nights weekends. Week. <laughs> and I've kind of evolved my schedule because I have that flexibility to have a weekend in the middle of the week when he has a couple of days off. Um, so <laughs> scheduling is a little bit of a challenge. But they want to know from a chronic illness side, I'm sure that's what Rebecca meant, was how does this affect our sex life? Uh, it does. I think that's, I think it would be foolish and naive to say it doesn't. Um, and I think all of you can relate to that. 
for us, you know, it ebbs and flows. We have a pretty good sex life, but it, you know, if you don't feel well for two weeks, Mm -hmm. then that it is what it is. I'm not going to be like, yo, let's go plow. (laughs) Then we don't do it for two weeks. Yeah. I don't give a shit how you feel. Let's go plow. Um, so yeah, I mean, just it's. It, it, Wait, it, can you just? We don't ever plow. Like, say something cute plow. and romantic. Okay. Make love. We make love. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It's healing uncensored. I know this is like yeah, explicit, but healing uncensored. But make it sound romantic. Yes. So you're saying it affects our sex life, but it's not um, that like it makes us not have a sex life. And there's sometimes that, yeah, I don't, I really don't feel good. And you're not the type of guy that wants to like pressure or force me into doing something that just really isn't going to feel good for me right now. No, I mean, that's a dickhead move mm-hmm. no matter what you are. Cause you know, <laughs> it's a borderline. Okay. We're not going to go there. Anyway. Um, sorry have to filter myself (laughs) um you know it will have an effect if it ever gets to the point where one partner starts feeling neglected um there needs to be a conversation because again all of this and and what all of you will hopefully figure out and and we work to figure out every single day is communication about this stuff in an effective way we have encountered people cough cough don't name um, anybody who don't communicate well about this they communicate but it's not in an, in an effective way so you know our sex life is good but it will ebb and flow with how good sarah feels and to be quite honest it's uncensored right yep okay uh to be quite honest if it's two week where two weeks where she doesn't feel good then I'll just do me, literally. <laughs> literally do you. Yeah. Yeah. So we make it work. Yeah. But at the very, very, very base of it is good communication. And again, it goes to that sympathy and understanding because put yourself in that person's shoes. You know, if you don't, it chronic illness, if you are just not a struggler of chronic illness at all put yourself in the shoes of you come home from a super long day of whatever it may be you're exhausted you have no energy you just feel sort of blah in general you're not that randy that often to get down and dirty no so doesn't make you want to get down and dirty so think about how your partner feels and yeah all right, let's go. Okay, so Shelby and Cassandra have similar questions. Shelby says, does he eat the same way as you do? Cassandra wants to know, what they, what do you eat? I eat food. <laughs> Come on, you know what they mean. Um, Sarah and I have evolved together. Uh, we have, I have found that it is easier, but also fulfilling because I see it as a challenge, you know, and it's partially just my personality but um we're pretty healthy people in general we eat pretty clean in general i'm kind of a health and fitness dork in many regards so i see it as a challenge and a way to be creative um 
If you don't cook, if your partner doesn't cook, it's a great way to sort of bond over illness. It's a great way to learn about illness because, I mean, shit, when people are, it's, it's how cultures across the world exchange, you know, it's how they express love. It's how they do everything. They cook together. They, they eat together. They spend time in the kitchen together. Conviviality. Conviviality, community, you know, um, so that's one way. And I do eat, we do eat basically the same diet. Now I 100% still do my own thing. I think that's the common thread here is there's, we have this mutual together, but then we also do our own thing individually. And, you know, some days I want to eat a whole goddamn pizza and I will go eat a whole goddamn pizza, not a gluten-free pizza. (laughs) Or I want, you know, I have a weakness for chocolate chip cookies. They are my kryptonite. So I'll be like, you know what, babe? I'm going to eat this cookie right in front of you and I'm going to love it. Sorry. You know, so a little bit of selfishness is okay. Um, you know, we, we share a pretty good diet. We have grown to share that diet. And if you live with someone, it's easier to do, obviously, because you're sharing the same food. Grocery um, shopping grocery together. Grocery shopping together. But it's, I also see it as a way to learn. Um, and I have turned it, you know, I've framed it in my mind as a way to just have quality time together. During my work week, it's challenging because I work nights. So a lot of times it is on the weekends where we really are able to bond. Yeah. And we're both pretty decent cooks, decent chefs. So we get fairly creative in the kitchen. And we still get to have dinner together every night because as I'm ending my day, you're waking up and we, we cook dinner together. Well, it's your breakfast, I guess, technically. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we typically share meals together and we'll eat the same thing at home. Mm-hmm. And then when you want to you wanna go do your thing, you'll go do your thing. And But it's not like our house is completely gluten-free. It's damn close. It's very close. You have a pan <laughs> that is for <laughs> that is for the non-gluten thing. Wait, for the gluten things. Yeah. So he has a pan that he puts his... We're weird. We don't have a toaster. So we toast our bread on the stove in a <laughs> saute pan. We like, we like to think we're in the Old West. Yep. Like we're camping. No. Okay. So <laughs> you put your toast like on that pan and not the other pans and... Just to, yeah, be mm-hmm. considerate. And then once you eat your peanut butter toast, because that's one of your snacks, you don't come over and try to stick your tongue down my throat. You'll do like a... Sex life. A lipless kiss. <laughs> or a cheek kiss. A cheek kiss. <laughs> Just to be cautionary. And with like, not that you really drink very much beer, but same thing with beer. If you had a beer, you'd be like cautious of like kissing me and letting me know, hey, I just had a beer. Heads up. Yeah, definitely. So, again, communication. Cool. Okay, Kayla wants to go back a little bit to the dating days. So, we already answered some of these questions. Uh, What are some date ideas? How to come 
not come across as high maintenance with specific dietary needs and restrictions as a long, long list of supplements. What would you do if you could go back to back to grad school and like you knew from the beginning I had chronic illness? Like, what would we? What did you do anything differently, or what kind of dates did we go on? Well, we were lucky because we were in Chicago, yeah, and so there was always a plethora of options. But I mean, when I didn't know, because I didn't know at first. I mean, I I sort of knew, but when we first started liaising romantically um i didn't really know i picked up on it i was like oh okay so she's not ordering a you know like a chicken sandwich without a bun without or a something. Bun, you know um so those of you in more urban areas or at least towns that have options going to restaurants that work uh you know because sarah has also been genius at figuring it out you know i I, from from the sufferer of the chronic illness perspective if you can be flexible and figure it out you you know and and avoid the types of situations some of you may be sensitive enough that you can't even be in or around gluten period yeah like a restaurant that uses yeah like or you walk into yeah cross-contamination yeah but if you aren't that sensitive, if you're lucky to not be that sensitive, if you can just get creative, that way when you are first starting to date someone, it's not an issue. Um, because when you're first starting to date someone, they could be like, oh, well, she's saying no or he is saying no to all these places but not really telling me why. I don't really understand what's going on. Maybe this person's just not that into me. Yeah. Sex in the city callback. <laughs> so it helps for us to just, for me to have been up front, like about, or I guess you picked up on, because we were friends first, so it's a little more complicated. Yeah. But but not even necessarily up front, just um, able to be flexible. Yeah. Like if we go, if, if we're, we've driven places before and been super limited in what we could do, but. I always find something You to just eat. made it work. Yeah. You know, and didn't really make it a big deal right you know you weren't like oh god i can't i can't fucking eat anything here why don't you bring me here you're that's not me i always try to make it work (laughs) um you know so being able to make it work but also if if you get to the point when you are dating someone that they you can start to explain this i think this will probably go into another question but if you can start to explain what's going on then they'll have a better understanding of okay well we can't go to olive garden for free breadstick night (laughs) damn it no free breadsticks yeah uh okay um i'm actually gonna jump down to shandy's question she wants to know do, do you honey do you use oils yoga and meditation I do. Yeah. All of the above. All of the above. Circle D. What's circle D? A, B. You get it? Oh, A, yeah. A okay. oil, B, yoga, <laughs> C, meditation, Guys, I, I just woke up. D is all of the above. Literally. Plus, I don't test well. <laughs> what do you think I was um, talking about? I had, I thought circle D was, I don't know, like <laughs> a new at symbol. Oh. Hashtag. A sex thing, maybe. Or hashtag. Or hashtag. <laughs> Circle D. Yeah, guys, yeah, I'm not that old, I promise. 
Anyway. He is an older man, though. Shh. <laughs> um, all right. Oils, yoga, and meditation. Oils, yes, all of the above. Oils I do use, and that is because uh, of Sarah. I wouldn't probably – I mean, I maybe would be into them a little bit otherwise because my – I grew up in a pretty hippie family, um, but yoga I actually got into through Sarah originally, but was inclined that way because my sisters do yoga and just, you know, sports. Um, <laughs> Woo, sports. Wait, okay. I remember the first yoga class you ever took. Do you remember it? Yes. It was the outdoor yoga. Oh, uh, yeah, at uh, Yoga Rocks the Park. Yeah, I used to direct this event called Yoga Rocks the Park in Chicago. And we weren't dating at that time, but you came and you practiced. And I remember how amazing your Warrior 2 was. And I was like, oh, my God, that guy has a really great Warrior 2. She actually knew my name, though. She wasn't just like that guy. <laughs> no, yeah. Andrew, oh, my God, your Warrior 2 is like money, for, especially for never having practiced yoga before. So you're kind of like natural yogi i mean it's More, not like you i got soccer player thighs soccer player thighs okay yeah yeah uh Helps. so you've come to my classes before and you've practiced with me on occasion too mm -hmm. yeah uh and even after the whole question of when did we start dating how long have we been together you know <laughs> at one of the points in our relationship where we weren't together um this was early on uh, I continued to do yoga on my own because it felt good. Um, for meditation, I actually got into meditation not through Sarah. I got into meditation through one of my very best friends who is like this sage wisdom figure in my life. Spirit seeker, spirit adventure, something. Spirit animal? Spirit animal, no. No, I that's Jimmy Chin. Guys, if you don't know who Jimmy Chin is, look him up. He's a North Face photographer. He's my spirit animal. <laughs> um, yeah, my friend Zach uh, got me into it. And my practice ebbs and flows with meditation. Um, you know, I'll kind of have a kick where I do it a lot. And then I'll get, I don't know, we can call it distracted or, or just it's not number one priority for me all the time. Um, working nights makes it more challenging just because your body's always a little thrown off of what the normal sleep cycle and, and, and ebb and flow of the day is. But yeah, Sarah and I have continued to practice meditation. And you've done the, um, the Deepak and Oprah, uh, what are those 21 days before? Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of the first times I really committed to meditating every single day significantly. It was through that, and it was really good. Mind blown. Yep. Okay, yeah. So you use oils, you do met yoga, you meditate from time to time. Mm -hmm. You still you have some of the same, yeah, spiritual and self-care practices as me, but you also have your own self-care practices. So mm -hmm. what are some of the things you like to do just for you? Hookers and blow. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god. Pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> He's very tired. He's very tired. Um things I like to do for me. I mean, so I I'm also a big uh The Rock fan. If you guys don't know who The Rock is, uh Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um but you know, it, 
and our friend Kylie has actually mentioned this, but when you overly restrict yourself, it makes you makes you go crazy. You know, yeah. when you are so crazy rigid and strict, you never have a chance just to sort of woosah and unpucker and and relax. So I make sure that I give myself I call it a cheat day, but really what it is is just like random cheat things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I indulge and I enjoy it, whether it's a large pizza, whether it's a giant stack of pancakes slathered in maple syrup, or whether it's – I used to do a thing called day off donut. I would get off work and I'd go get two donuts <laughs> and come home, treat yourself. Yeah. You know, so self-care is not just being rigid and healthy all the time. Mm-hmm. Self-care is literally the whole package. All right, let's let's round this out with like some rapid fire. Are you ready for that? Like one an- one word answer. Yeah, I'm going to ask you like quick questions. I just decided that I was going to do this. Okay. Okay, spirit animal. Jimmy Chin. Place you would want to go travel the most in the world. Japan. You've already been there. Yeah. He used to live there. <laughs> okay. Not like a new place. Okay, I won't judge your answer. It's like going home. <laughs> Favorite Marvel superhero character? Are they superheroes? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Favorite Marvel Marvel character? Oh, God. Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Okay. Favorite color? Red. What kind of dog do you want most? Oh. Yeah, for, we need a sister for Bella. Um, I would like a Louisiana Catahoula Leopard Dog, a Great Dane, a, um... That's already two answers. (laughs) Well, I want me. All the dogs. Um, uh, favorite cheat day snack? Um, possibly Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which I just had for the first time in, like... Eight years the other okay, day. Okay, but let's be clear. My... You, you didn't actually eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You had like Cascadian Organic. Whatever. It tastes the same. <laughs> my 12-year-old nephew thought it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch, so that's good enough for me. Snowboard or ski? Snowboard. Uh, hats or headbands? <laughs> hats. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're a headband Should guy. Should I just start throwing out random words? Yeah. Soccer. Soccer. Yeah. Baseball. No. No. I mean, I like it, but soccer. Rugby. I like that, too. Aussie. Aussie rules football, yes. All right. I don't think I have any more any more rapid fires. So we're going to end this. Do you have any uh, other words of wisdom for our listeners? Anything that you think would be really helpful for them? Yeah. I think, we, you know, when you guys first start out, you know, with someone new in your life or if you haven't gotten to the point with the person you're with or if you've been with this person for a long time and you guys just haven't really communicated about it, you know, that's the key is communication. If it's with someone brand new, don't feel like you have to divulge everything right away. But also make sure you you give them some type of, of information that way they have a better understanding of you they don't think you know oh god this person's just blowing me off she or he or she is saying you know oh i can't i don't feel well 
I don't feel well. I, this person doesn't look like they don't feel well. You know, we, we come up against, and you guys all have encountered it, the modern medical system. And when we hear that someone is sick, we expect to pretty much be able to see it or at least have words given to us via diagnoses that we understand and can relate to conceptually. Um, so when you first meet someone, don't feel afraid to tell them, but also don't make them drink from a fire hose and start spraying this information at them full bore from the get-go. You know, have a little patience, but be open, communicate. And it will make everything much smoother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have a happy, perfectly imperfect relationship, would you say? Yeah. Because Absolutely. we get short, but yeah. <laughs> we also love each other. Our dog really wants to be in the middle of this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And don't be afraid to be honest with people because to be real, if you tell someone this information and they're like, whoa, that's too much, then it is too much and they can go fuck themselves um, because – Would you say most men are like – so if I was like, no, you can't – like I don't want to go to an Italian restaurant, like would you say most men would be willing to then choose a different restaurant? Uh, if they are any type of decent person. <laughs> You know, uh, if they... So there's flexibility on both sides, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's name of the game. Communication, understanding, and flexibility. Um, patience. Patience, yeah. And Take those keywords, tribe. Yeah, and if you meet someone that isn't prepared to do the work and understand, then, like I said, they can bugger. Okay. I love you. Love you too. Thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Wanna go make out? Yes. Okay. Bye everyone. Oh bye. <laughs>Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you loved this episode and want to support the creation of future episodes, please leave a five-star review below. I'd also love to hear from you on social media. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram or Facebook at Autoimmune Tribe. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.